0: Uh, the series, as Adam has said, is called Flipped, uh, and in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus flips everything about culture, about the way of the world, about society. He flips it all on its head. And again, just before we get into the text, just before we get into today's message, the important thing is to say Jesus is the one person who lived and modeled everything that we read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Okay, you think this is impossible. This is up here. This is kind of turning everything on his head. How can we live like this? How can we think like this? How can we be like this? Jesus is our example. Jesus lived and modeled everything we read here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now, today, we're going to look at prayer. And it fits really well with the prayer meeting on Friday, which as Adam has said, I would really encourage you to come to. Uh, It's going to be an incredible time of worship uh, and prayer and just seeking God together. So today we're going to look at prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Before we get into the text, I wonder, what do you think of when you hear the word prayer? Or you think about your own prayer life. Do you think, man, I'm a prayer wimp? Man, I pray and then I just fall asleep. Or I start praying and then I get distracted like you'd never believe. The job of all the things that I need to do suddenly comes into my head. I think of this. I think of that. I start dreaming about how many clouds there are in the sky. You know, you wouldn't believe the distractions that come when I start to pray. But the truth is, everybody prays. We pray into a tear-stained pillar. We pray in moments of quiet devotion. We we pray grand liturgies. We pray cries of help. We pray to stay sober. We pray for a husband. We pray for a wife. We pray when the money is running out. We pray for the unborn baby who hasn't kicked for the last little while. We all pray. Humanity Praise, But when you think about it, prayer is quite odd. It's quite peculiar. And all of us will have questions or doubts about prayer. And we're not alone. The early disciples struggled to pray. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew in Luke chapter 11, they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You see, no one had prayer figured out. Jesus was the one who is the greatest example of prayer. He prayed before he ate. He prayed for the little children. He prayed with tears. He prayed with joy. He prayed with, for miracles. Jesus was a co-equal to God, and yet he prayed. He devoted himself to prayer. He prayed through the night when he knew he was going to the cross. He prayed, and his blood swept through his skin because of what he was fearful of, but he prayed before he went to the cross. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he gave them a prayer. He didn't give them a lecture, he didn't give them teaching, he gave them a quotable, repeatable prayer. And just one more thing before we read that famous prayer, For me, the most helpful way of thinking about prayer is that it's a conversation. If I was having a conversation with Adama, I would speak. She would, I hope, be listening. And then she would speak, and I would listen, and we would go on like that. Prayer is a conversation. We speak to God. God speaks back. We need to listen sometimes to what he's saying. We then speak back. We speak with little short sentences about little things in our day. We then speak with torrents and torrents of information about what we're feeling and what is going on. But we speak, we listen. We speak, we listen. We speak, we listen. Prayer is conversation with God. That said, let's read Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 7 through to 13. Matthew chapter 6, 7 through to 13. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask it. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil verse 7 prayer is not vain repetition and words with no meaning prayer is praying to our father in heaven who knows prayer is 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 praying to a father who loves us his children who knows our needs the lord's prayer which we're going to go through is a model of genuine christian prayer and here's one of the biggest keys to this prayer and to prayer in general it is knowing the God to whom you are praying to. Our Father, this prayer begins. Our Father. It tells us in those two words about the personal nature of God. It tells us that as Christians, as believers, we have an intimate relationship with God, that there is proximity. Between us and God, that we can come up close and personal. The best image we could have in our mind is of a child approaching their dad, not of some distant playboy father, some absent father, or drunkard father, or or stern dictatorial father. No, a daddy. A daddy who comes close and wraps his arms around the child. In the Aramaic, it means daddy, abba, daddy, father. It's an intimate word of a father who demonstrates love for his children. This is how I was thinking about it, reading it. You know, if you go to pick up time at a primary school, the little ones... The really little ones, the reception age or year one or two, you go to pick up time at the primary school. And there's many kind of moms or, or people, grandparents, who may be picking up the children. But where the dads are, watch the interaction between the dads and the children. Just, just picture this for a minute. You know, there's the, the ginger-haired little boy who kind of runs into his father's arms. There's a little girl with pink nails who comes up to her dad and says, Dad, 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 can my little friend Marla come to over? Her, her mom said it's okay. You know, it's a request straight away. It's ask, ask, ask. Or, or the boy with the curly blonde hair who says, Dad, can I have an ice cream? Dad, 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 I want an ice cream. You said you could. Can I have an ice cream? Or the girl with the pink puffer jacket saying, Dad, can I tell you about my day? I got this score in Max. We made this in playtime. I had an on and on and on comes the torrent of information. The images of these joyful, carefree, trusting, nothing kind of hidden, making requests, asking for things straight away, accepting the gifts that a dad has in the pocket of the sweets or the chocolates or the bag of crisps. That is the picture that we are to have when we come to God. We're to come to God like a child comes to their dad, not like the religious leaders who, who posture and pretend and come with all airs and graces. And you've got to understand that this phrase, just those first two words, our Father. You have to pray like this, our Father. That would have blown the minds of Jesus' audience. Because you see, for them, they assumed that prayer was about special people in special places. It was about the high priest going into the Holy of Holies. For them, they thought prayer is all about geography. It's about where you pray. And it's all about kind of vocabulary. It's about what you pray. And Jesus is he's downplaying the importance of words. He's saying it's not really about what you pray. It's about coming to your Father. It's not really about a set sequence of words. And we as humans tend to do the opposite. So in Islam, it's about the Muslim prayer is repeated five times a day. Hindus and and Buddhists have a certain mantra that they will repeat when they pray. Look at it like this. You see, if prayer depends on how I pray or what I pray, then I'm in trouble. But if prayer depends upon the one who hears my prayer, and the one of whom is my daddy, then there is hope. Then we can be excited about what God will do with our prayers. Most of you know I've got three children, Grace, Amelia, and Levi. And Levi is my son. And a number of years ago, um, we were building Lego together. And he got one of the packs out of the Lego shop, which has age-appropriate with all the instructions, and I'd been helping him do something, and then you open this pack, and I was like, okay, I'm going to sit back and watch. That was probably about six, I thinking, now Levi's kind of on it, he's, he can do it all, he doesn't need any help. But at that age, he's about six years old, and, and he started to go through the little booklet, if you know a parent and have Lego or know anything about it, there's the, the booklet that you walk through of what to do in putting together the Lego model. And uh, Levi started, he started well. But as he went through the Lego building process, he got frustrated. Things didn't work. And if you don't do something right at the beginning, then by the end, it doesn't quite fit together. You haven't got the right pieces. And I was sitting there watching, sitting there waiting as he went through, as he tried to go through the instructions. He tried to build the little car that he was building was watching the frustration, was watching the difficulty. And then eventually, Levi looked up at me, who'd been in the room the whole time, and says, Daddy. And I was like, yes, would you like me to help? Came in, went through the little bit he'd got wrong, helped him and sorted out, and there was the beautiful Lego car. You see, that little image of parenthood, is a picture for us of God. God is just sometimes waiting for us to say, Daddy, Daddy, and just involve God in our situations. Involve God in the ups and downs of life. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. You see, God, though, is not only Daddy who is good, He is also great. In heaven, heaven is a place where things are perfect, a place of God's abode, a place where all authority in heaven and on earth is at God's command. God is the creator, the ruler of all things. Isaiah 46 and verse 9 says, For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Our father in heaven is telling us that there is no limitations upon God. There is nothing that he cannot do. And in that little phrase, our father, who are in heaven, in that little phrase, we have the challenge that I think a lot of us struggle with. Because there's a challenge to see both, not one. Because we see God as our Uh, Our daddy, our friend, there's an intimacy to our time and, and, and presence with God. And then there's the immensity to his power and his authority. And the danger with us in our prayer life is we sometimes go all in on the intimacy and lose the immensity of his power. Or we're all amazed at his immensity and then we're too scared to be intimate with this almighty God. But just those four words, our Father in heaven, shows us how we are to pray. We're to pray to the one who is our daddy, the one of whom we can be intimate with, but the one of whom nothing is impossible, the one of whom all things are possible, the great God who flung the stars into space. I love the, the uh, Narnia books by C.S. Lewis, and there's this famous quote about Aslan who many of you will know is like a a picture of God. And and one of the characters, I can't remember which one it is, one of the children talk about Aslan, and, and, and they say of Aslan, look, Aslan is great, Aslan is powerful, but he is not safe. There's something powerful and almighty about Aslan, about God, and yet he's there, and you can rustle your head up against the mane of Aslan, the almighty one our Father in heaven. You see, just those four words, we could camp out on those four words all morning. This isn't protocol. This is reminding ourselves of the truth. It's so that when we come to prayer, we come in the right frame of mind. It refreshes us to remember who God is. I tell you, if you get nothing else from this message, just remember the power of those four opening words. Our Father in heaven. Intimacy and in all power and authority. From there, we go into the rest of the Lord's Prayer. Now, you're not going to go into it in the greatest detail. I just looked at the first line. But the structure is important. The structure of the rest of the Lord's prayer. Because it is structured into two sections. So after our Father in heaven, we have the first structure which is focused on God. It's focused on Him. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's about the glory of God. And then the second section comes which is about our needs, the needs of those who are committed to God. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Deliver us from evil. So after that opening, our Father in heaven, we go the glory of God and then the needs of man. So let's briefly look at the glory of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now God's name is holy. He is set apart. He is not like us. We can name the names of God and the characteristics of God, of which are so different from us. When I pray the Lord's Prayer, which I often do as a kind of like a a springboard to praying elsewhere, when I pray the Lord's Prayer and I come to Uh, your hallowed be your name, I will spend time reminding myself of the names of God. God, you are Jehovah Jireh. God, you are Yahweh. God, you are the great I am. Lord, you are the prince of peace. You are perfect in all your ways. You are good. You are kind. You are just. Reminding myself of the glory of God, declaring the holiness of God's name. Hallowed be your name. Then it says, your kingdom come. What God wants us to pray there is that life on earth will become more like life in heaven. What you're praying is heaven come to earth. You're praying for God to break in to the pain and the darkness and the difficulties of this earth. You're praying for miracles. You're praying for healings. You're praying for people to be saved. You're praying, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. One day this will be fulfilled of God's kingdom coming. When Jesus returns in glory to rule and reign, that prayer will be done. That prayer will be completed. Your kingdom come. Jesus will return with his kingdom in full splendor and glory. Your will be done, then it is, on earth as in heaven. There we have the priorities of God being over my priorities. To be concerned with the things of God rather than the things of Mark, the things of me. When we pray that your will be done on earth as in heaven, that's what we're praying. We're praying, Lord, let it not be my empire. Let it not be about me. Let it not be about my influence. No, flip it on its head. Let it be about God's will, God's way, God's name, God's glory. Now, we can unpack all of those little lines far more, but just... There, to the glory of God, start to the glory of God. Fill your gaze with the glory of God, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your great name, your honor, your name of who you are, of the greatness of God. Let your kingdom come. Let heaven come to earth where we see pain and destruction. Let heaven come to earth and let it be God's will in my life, not my will. That it be God's will done in the world around us, and not the wills of man. And then it flips; it goes from God's name and God's glory to the second half of the Lord's Prayer, being about you and me, being about our needs. From God's affairs and God's glory to our affairs and our needs. And again, you think, "Well, oh, how can I pray this? How?" How can I come to God like this? Well, remember, it's our father in heaven. Remember, we have a father who loves us. We have a father who who wants the best for his children, who wants us to bring our needs to him, who wants us like Levi struggling with his Lego to say, Daddy, come to him and ask. So let's look. Verse 11, give us this day. Our daily bread. There's so much here. Firstly, bread. Bread is not purely a loaf of bread. Bread was a symbol in biblical times of everything necessary for the preservation of life. It's basically a word that you hear, meaning it's all the basics. It's your food. It's your shelter. It's good health. It's peace with with family and friends. Jesus is talking there about the necessities of life. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the necessities. Not necessarily the luxuries or or the multi-million pound yachts, but the necessities. Give us, give us, give us our daily bread. That is quite a strong claim. It's quite a strong command. It's talking about a dependency on God for the things that we need. It's talking about going to him for help. The story that came to mind in, in preparing this uh, this week was in John chapter 2. It's the first miracle that Jesus did uh, when he was walking this earth. It was the miracle of changing water into wine. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, understood basically this concept. Because when the the wine ran out at the wedding, she turned to the servants. She turned to everyone and says, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. However stupid you might think it, how crazy. Whatever Jesus says, you do it. So when Jesus says, go and take water and pour it into these empty jars, they did it. They went to Jesus with a need. They went to Jesus with a wand. They went to Jesus with a problem. Give us some wine. Give us the need for wine for the rest of the wedding. And Jesus answered that need with high quality wine and, and bundles and bundles of it left over. In simple terms, there was a problem. They brought it to Jesus. Give us wine. Give us what we lack. And Jesus answered that prayer. When we hear in the Lord's prayer, give us our daily bread, my challenge is to each one of us, are we asking God? Are we coming to God with our needs? Are we coming to God and saying, Lord, give me dot, 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 dot? Are we presenting the problem that we have to the Lord in prayer? And if we are, are we leaving it with him, as Mary told the servants to, or are we then giving it to Jesus and then holding it on? That's what I do a lot of the time. I will say, Lord, this is a need. This is an area. I give it to Jesus and then I hold on to it. No, no, no. Give it to Jesus. Give it to him. Be obedient to what he might ask you to do. But don't go holding on to that problem that you've just given to Jesus. And then he says, give us this Give us our daily bread. And, and daily is interesting because it's like a, an ongoing dependency. Most of us would love Jesus to answer our prayers, and then there's no more need to go back to him. I mean, if we're honest, we would like, Lord, sort out my finances. Lord, sort out this area of my life, answer the prayer, and now we're done, and I haven't got well, to go back to you. But that's not what God wants, and that's not how God works. Again, the Israelites. The Israelites in the Old Testament, when they were wandering around the wilderness, God provided them manna from heaven every day. But it was manna that would be there for that day for them to enjoy, and then it would go off because then the next day there was fresh manna from heaven, fresh daily food for that day. And the Lord wants you to know that this is to be an ongoing Dependency on him for our needs. An ongoing prayer for the needs in our lives. That's how we draw closer to Jesus. That's how we draw closer to him. If we're dependent upon him every day, God will answer your prayers for today, but he might not for tomorrow because he might wait till tomorrow to answer those prayers for tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. All of us have regrets. All of us have the could've, should've, money squandered, possessions lost, relationships broken, and indispensable to a a healthy soul, a life where our inner man is refreshed and made new, indispensable to the health of our soul is praying this prayer. Forgive us our debts. I know in some versions it says sins or trespasses, but in ESV it says forgive us our debts because they were likening the sin, the wrongdoings that we do. It was likened to debt. It was likened to an accumulation of debt. Now, God alone forgives the wrong things that we do. Mark 2, verse 10. The Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus is the only one who can forgive our sins, can forgive our debts, can wipe away the debts that we are accumulating. I love the picture in the Old Testament of the scapegoat. Once a year, you can read about it in Leviticus, once a year, the high priest would take a perfect goat. And would pray his hands on that goat, praying the sins of the nation of Israel onto that goat. And then the goat was taken out of the camp and left out into the wilderness. It was taking away the debts, the debt, sorry, of the nation. Removed from the camp. Jesus is our once and for all scapegoat. We place our sins, we place our debts, we place the wrong things that we've done onto Jesus Christ. And as it says in Psalm 103 verse 12, he removes them as far as the east is from the west. That's how far Jesus has removed our transgressions from us. So we need to stop tormenting ourselves when we feel bad about things we've done wrong. We're to come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive my sins. Forgive my debts that I have done today, this week. I bring them to you. Jesus, deal with them. I place them upon you. And now they are removed. They are gone. They are dealt with once and for all by the cross of Christ. And we're to forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors, those that have done wrong against us, those that have hurt us. And we can unpack that and unpack that lots more. But here's the very wonderful take. When our eyes are opened to our own sinfulness before God, the hurts and pains of others will seem small in comparison. The more we understand what incredible grace and forgiveness Jesus has done in our life, the more it will help us to deal with the hurt and the pain of others. And then finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us not walk down the path that the devil has for us. And again, you can unpack loads here, but the one thing I want to focus on is that the devil, Satan, who is real and is active, is, as the Bible tells us, the father of lies. The father of lies is Satan. So when I hear that, lead us not into temptation, I think of my mind. And I think, Lord, would you stop me walking down the path of the lies of the enemy? Now, every single one of us will have different areas where we're susceptible to the lies of the enemy. It could be the the, the area of, of, of how we see ourselves. It could be the area of how others see us. It could be. The area of so many different in our lives, but there'll be an area or two or three where the devil can get in and lead us down a path of lies. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Jesus overcame evil. Jesus overcame lies. Jesus is truth. The one who overcame and defeated all principalities, as it says in Colossians chapter 1, on the cross and triumphed over them. In the wilderness, when Jesus was tempted, in Matthew chapter 4, when he was tempted by the lies of Satan, he used truth. He used God's word to fight those lies. He says, I'm not going to go down that route of temptation. I'm not going to go down that way. And for us, we're, when we pray that prayer, to learn, to say, Lord, no. Lead me not into temptation in the way that I think. Let me fight it with the truth of God's word. So Jesus' words for us to pray can helpfully be summed up like this. There's our human need. Give us today our daily bread. Then there's the spiritual need. Lord, forgive my debt. Forgive my sin. Forgive my trespass against others. And then there's my my moral need to be delivered from evil. Human need, spiritual need, and moral need. The Lord's prayer is a wonderful model of how to pray. What we're going to do in a minute is we're going to pray it together. And we're going to stand up in a few minutes and we're going to pray it together. I don't care if you go old school with sins, debts, trespasses, doesn't matter, but we're going to we're going to pray this together. Then the band are going to lead us in a worship song about boldly coming to God, about boldly coming to our Father who just wants us to be intimate and just wants us to pray and just wants us to, to come with requests and petitions. And then we're just gonna finish with a final challenge for all of us. So, Ben, could you come up and let's all stand? So we're gonna we're gonna read together. Say out together, out loud, the Lord's Prayer. It's on the screen, great. There it is. And we're going to read it together. And you know the Lord's Prayer, the other people think is, when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I tell you, it feels like I've had a a kind of like a three-course dinner, five-course dinner. What by that I mean, it feels like kind of like I've touched every base. I've had my starter, I've had my main course, I've had my dessert, I've had my coffee, I've had my chocolate. Okay, it just feels like like, like everything has been covered when I pray the Lord's Prayer. And I use sometimes the Lord's Prayer to, to pray, and then I'm off praying for, for, for God to break in and for His kingdom to come, and then you just finish with the rest of the prayer. But whatever you do, however, you use it, it's a beautiful prayer that God has given us to help us. Because as I said at the beginning. We all struggle to greater or lesser degree with prayer. Even if you go through a good season of prayer, there'll be a time in your life when you struggle to pray. So we're to use the tool that Jesus gave us, which is the Lord's prayer. So we'll read it through together. And then Jonathan, if you could then lead us and we're going to sing boldly, I approach. And we're going to just worship using that song. So I'll count it in. So we're kind of uh, roughly together, but honestly, go trespasses, sin, old school, whatever. You can pray in your mother tongue. If you know the Lord's Prayer better than that, whatever works for you. But let's all out loud pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Okay, one, two, three. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who've been against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Amen.